I'm Lacey, here with Mella, Josh, and Rashawn. Hi, everybody. What's up? Today is a good day. Why? Because we're so close to Valentine's Day. There's pink hearts everywhere. There's love in the air. And there's no fighting anywhere, right? Anywhere, anywhere? Oh, well, this... like among us, mm. at least. That's not true. <laughs> not so far. Have y'all been watching anything new recently? You guys would be so proud of me. I checked off not one, but two movies Let's on my go. list. Go! Yay! Mm-hmm. Which ones? Dead Poet Society. Super and sad. Zodiac. Super dark. <gasps> Fantastic. I Boy, watched she did them. it. Yeah, I watched them on the same day. Why? Oh, Bella. <laughs> I figured if I'm going to get a man, just like, you know, double down. Just do it all. What did we think? Did you have a favorite of the two Ooh. overall? Um, They are both great movies. I miss <laughs> Robin Williams knew. so much. Like, I when know. I was watching that movie, I was like, oh. Zodiac is hella long. That's like three <laughs> hours long. And Rashawn did warn me about this. I winning fully knowing but it does move it's just like really long i felt like it was two movies and one where it's like i needed a, a solid lunch break in between like... <laughs> no, no thank you but i really liked it and i'm glad that i crossed them off the list i don't know what's next i'm not like going in any special order i'm just whatever's no. free actually that's what i'm starting with that's a good plan right <laughs> Good plan. I haven't crossed the artist off yet because I'm waiting until it's safe for us to see each other again. So I and can we have grab it for your you. copy. Yes. Mm-hmm. I saw a trailer today that made me unexpectedly emotional. This is going to start off sounding weird, and I need I need this to be a safe space for a moment. Okay. Can of all you guys people promise? Asking. I can, know. He's asking can you for a can, safe space. can you promise that this is a safe space? Sure. I can't see your Sean's fingers. He's crossing his fingers under the desk. The Godzilla versus King Kong trailer made me kind of emotional today. And I'll let me explain why. Let me explain why. One, it goes fucking hard. Like, <laughs> there's a song in it that goes stupid hard. I rewound it just to listen to the song. It's the most since all of this started, since the lockdown started, since theaters closed, popcorn movie trailer I've seen, even more so than Wonder Woman. This movie was made to be seen in a fucking IMAX. And it's one of those Warner Brother movies that it's, it is coming to theaters that are open, but it's also coming to HBO Max. That's the kind of movie that's going to get people back into theaters. That's what's going to save the industry. It made me very emotional because it's the most, it's like pure like summer blockbuster popcorn movie. I don't know. It made me very emotional. <laughs> when is the release date? I think Have soon. you kept up with the movies leading up to it? Yeah. Cool. What? Yeah. <laughs> Is that news to you? Yeah. No, I didn't know if you had like. No, to if you liked, Oh, I didn't know if you liked Kong Skull Island or. I liked it. It wasn't bad. I'm gonna say this. I have a long-standing theory that I've had for more than five years now. It's Warner Brothers with Legendary. Uh, you know what other movies Legendary makes? Um... Pacific Rim. Mm. It's coming. Bet money. You heard it here first. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> I definitely have to watch this trailer. This is not something I would and, I would scroll past. I'm just going to be real. And like but now I want to see I'm it. sure you should watch Skull Island or the first new whatever Godzilla to understand it all. Yeah, there's two. Which are Oh, that's right. One? I haven't seen King of Monsters actually. I haven't so, seen yeah. No, Charlize is not in anything. <laughs> <laughs> that, Vera, Vera is. That's that, that was Mighty, Mighty Joe Young. Joe Young. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
good. It's a good flick. It's a good one. Ooh, you know what we could do? We watch Mighty Joe Young, then we watch this new film, and I feel like you're gonna be super emotional. Well, that, <laughs> see, that doesn't make any sense. Then wait, why not make it a trifecta? Let's watch, let's watch Mighty Joe Young. We bought a zoo. Kong vs. Godzilla. Okay, listen. There's got to be a gorilla and we bought a zoo, right? We are very Barely. close to Valentine's Day. We are talking way too much about monkeys right now for my liking. Surprise, I got you a monkey for Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, with Valentine's Day being just around the corner, I wanted to talk a little bit about our favorite romances on screen. That could be storylines that could be chemistry between actors just kind of who your favorite on-screen romantic duos are um i have a few the first one is one that we kind of talked about in the thread a little bit but that's dorothy dandridge and harry belafonte in mm. carmen jones uh that's one of the first movies i ever saw that about like black love and it's it's a tragedy but a tragedy in an opera and all that stuff but it's just beautiful to see and they're two beautiful people and gorgeous they're gorgeous <laughs> and i believe that was the first time a black woman was nominated for best actress but yeah carmen jones is great also george clooney and jennifer lopez and out of sight mm. is just a sexy sexy movie <laughs> And there's a scene where they have a conversation that's kind of intercut with a love scene. And it is just one of the sexiest things I've ever seen in a movie. And then the last one is probably Monica and Quincy. So now Lathan and Omar Epps in Love and Basketball. Yeah. And that's just a great, fantastic love story. Mm-hmm. Your girl, Gina Prince by the wood. Mm. I loved it. Good, good choices, Roshani. I love oh, it. Oh, thanks. I love it. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got one couple. This is stability. This is chemistry. This is love. This is humor. This is good parenting. We're talking about Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson in Easy A. <laughs> oh, <laughs> why was that one of mine? That the best on film couple of all time. I will be taking no questions. Dude. Period. So good. Parenting couple goals all, all across the board. They were the first ones I thought of and I didn't bother thinking of any more. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one. Do y'all remember that movie, Fever Pitch? Is that is that yes. Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon? It is! <laughs> I never saw it. Okay, well, it is just like a classic rom-com. That's your answer? You weren't just asking us about the movie? No, my answer is Drew Barrymore and (laughs) Jimmy Fallon and Fever Pitch. (laughs) I think they work so well together. And maybe, and maybe it's Drew because I feel like she's just one of those people that like she can make any partner she's with on screen just look good. But I feel... Like, they just work so well together. I haven't seen this movie in years, so I can't attest it being a great (laughs) flick. But I remember watching it, and you know when you watch a movie and you're like, did they date in real life? They have to be best friends. Like, that's what I get from Mm. that pairing. That's a good one. I mean, it's no surprise who mine are, I don't think, to any of you. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is my all-time favorite movie i do not think that joel and clementine have the perfect relationship and i don't think that the relationship that we're shown is necessarily the most healthy relationship but there's no denying the chemistry that those two actors have in those roles and i think there's something really powerful i I think i've said it even on the podcast multiple times but in your heart knowing what your mind doesn't about um how you feel i love that movie but i also like i have to bring up jimmy stewart and donna reed and it's a wonderful life when he gives her that whole speech you know what is it you want mary what is it you want you want the moon i'll get it for you it's like top tier 
romantic gestures in films. And I just think it's the sweetest thing. So We've covered a lot of really wonderful romances so far, but I'm really eager to get to our romance today. So what are we fighting about, y'all? Lacey. Babe. Wife of mine. Yes, has. What'd you call me? I, do, I don't know. Just go with it. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> I like it. Huz? I like it. Please just keep... Oh, please just keep going. Short for hussy. <laughs> <laughs> we watched Moulin Rouge. A life without love, that's terrible. No, being on the street, that's terrible. No. What? Love is like oxygen. What? Love is a many splendid thing. What? Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. Please don't start that again. All what? you need is love. A girl has got to eat. All you need is love. She'll end up on the street. All you need uh, is love. Love is just a game. Moulin Rouge is a 2001 musical, drama, romantic comedy written by Baz Luhrmann and Craig Pierce, directed by Baz Luhrmann, starring Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, John Leguizamo. Moulin Rouge is set in the year. 1899 in Paris and a young English writer named Christian comes to find his artistic voice and winds up getting brought into the underbelly of Paris at the Moulin Rouge where he meets the sparkling diamond Satine. I saw this movie when I was I think 11, 12, 12 years old and I remember the movie ending my eyes are just like flushed with tears. I'm emotionally drained in a way I've never been drained before. And I immediately rewound the VHS. <laughs> Ooh, you're showing your age, girl. And I pressed play again to watch it immediately afterwards. Oh! This movie is not just well done as a whole. I think it's beautifully performed. I think the direction and the cinematography and the editing that is done is spotless. It's whimsical. It's exciting. It's tragic. It's romantic. It's like everything I want when I sit down to watch a movie. So thank you for indulging me and watching it this week. And please don't hurt my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) How many times do you think you've seen this movie? Probably 20 to 30 times. More than Eternal Sunshine? Ooh. Close. You you put Eternal Sunshine just on in the background I a do. lot. Though. What? I do. Are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, bitch. It's very clear I'm not. I'm not. Like, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> I just got here. <laughs> that is not a put it on the background type of movie it is for me it's comforting it's like i know it i know what i'm getting and i love it okay so (laughs) i first watched this movie in college Mm -hmm. and that was like a shock to everyone around me because i hadn't seen this brilliant film yet i had been in musicals and i don't know i just like hadn't seen it and i watched it and i liked it and i've seen it maybe three times like after but (laughs) It has everything, like, it it has everything you think, how do I say this? If you were to watch it and I hadn't seen it, you'd be like, Carmela, you're going to love it. It has romance. It has Nikki kids. It has references to Marilyn Monroe movies. It has, it's Boz Lerman. And I would be like, yes, I'm going to eat it up. And then I put it on and I don't eat it. I just don't know. (laughs) No, I thought for sure I'd have you on my team. I know, I know. But the thing is, but the fucked up thing is, I can't tell you why. And I've sat with it before, like after every watch, and I want to feel that feeling that you have when you watch it. But I don't get it. And I, I just... I, I don't know what it is. And maybe as this episode goes on, I'll be like, you know what? Fuck what I said 19 <laughs> minutes ago. I fucking love this movie. Because I can't tell you any parts that I'm like, ew, or except for the pigeons. But other than that... Amen. <laughs> Amen. They, but, them joints did not 
move. Move. Yeah. They're demons. Continue. Like, but there's just something that doesn't sit right with me. I feel like when I watch a musical, I have this like, oh, that was so fucking good at the end of it. And this doesn't give me that. And I'm sorry. All right, fine. Fine. But I don't think it's trying to give you that either. I don't think it's trying to make you feel all warm and fuzzy at the end. No? No! She dies, Mella! She dies. Spoiler alert. Ah, we knew she was going to die. She had the consumption. He says it at the beginning. It's not supposed to make you feel good at the end. It's just supposed to make you feel. So, I think this was my first time watching this movie in full. I think. Hmm. I've heard the soundtrack back and forth. I mean, it came. the movie came out when I was five, four, four or five. No. No, uh, that is no. not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Do not make me look older than I already feel. This is why this is my first time watching this. The The story that Lacey told about re-watching it, I have done that. My friends and I watched a movie, loved it so much when it was over, we just started over again with... Will Ferrell's Anchorman. <laughs> we had different cinema tastes growing up, Lacey. Yeah. You have to understand. I was going to guess Bruce Almighty, but... Close, yeah. Close I'm sure I've done it with that, too. I enjoyed it overall. Overall, I would give it a thumbs up. However, mm-hmm. if someone came up to me and said, that is my least favorite movie of all time, I would not bat an eye. This movie is so stylized and so, so specific. It's so specific to... Me. Little fairy dream girls like Lacey. Like me! <laughs> You're taking the words out of my mouth. Yes. Lacey, I ask you, do you think watching this for the first time now, as a 25-year-old, do you think you would enjoy it as much? Oh, that was nice. See how <laughs> I did that? <laughs> I don't know. You sat right next to me. Did I cry for the last 20 minutes? Yes. Right, but you... But that's nostalgia, too, and it's almost... I, I don't think it's nostalgia. I, I think this movie truly touches me. It's well executed. I think it's well told. I think this would hit for me the same amount now. So, Lacey? Oh, my God. What? <laughs> you really thought you were going to come in here. <laughs> she said, I want to make a movie that's going to be a love fest of <laughs> Moulin Rouge is a movie that I hate. Tig. <laughs> oh. The first time I saw it. Now, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Rashawn, and I never agree on here. <laughs> Tell me more. Alright, Carmel and I, I are just going to go into our own Zoom room. <laughs> See y'all later. <laughs> I watched it at the insistence of one of my friends. I hadn't seen it and I was having, I was just straight up not having a good time. <laughs> and the first time I watched it, straight up. And then around the, around the time we got to Roxanne, something happened. I don't know what. And then by the time the movie ended, I was like, okay, cool. The next time I watched it, it just overwhelmed me, completely overtook everything I thought I knew about, I felt about the movie. And now I watch it like at least once a few months. Yeah. I completely love this movie. <sighs> it is, Baz Luhrmann, I think, just speaks my language. Yes, same. Because same. this movie is just all bombast and kinetic and full of energy and i adore it this movie's a fucking fever dream it the is. whole thing and i yeah. eat it all up if I, I ever did drugs this would be the movie i would watch yeah <laughs> i think this is one of my favorite Baz Luhrmann movies it's definitely up there mm. but i think this is his worst directed movie <laughs> i think the editing i think the editing saves this movie by a country mile disagree pause this go look at the Patton oswald bit about editing resume this to summarize because i know none of you did that listeners i know you i take out the part about me shitting on our listeners um <laughs> we know who the it. real villain is stand by it <laughs> to summarize it's basically a lot of directors like george lucas and spielberg just 
just swing their big director dick all over the place and get five hours worth of footage. And then a female editor comes in and has to chop it up and put it together and put it in a nice presentation. And I think that's what happened with this movie. Think about the insane amount of hard cuts. I think the Roxanne segment is really good. It's really good. But but it's so good because of the precise cuts between the Roxanne dance, Christian in his apartment grieving, and uh, Satine with the Duke in the tower. The, the, the cuts and the edits are so clean and so rhythmic and mixed with the music so well. I think this is an editing masterpiece that I don't disagree that it's a masterpiece. I disagree that the editing saves it. I think a lot of times editing in film is used as a bandaid or to fix a film. And I think with a lot of Baz's stuff, especially with Moulin Rouge, he uses the editing as a weapon. Mm. And I think, I think a lot of times people say the editing is bad or the editing is great because of how many cuts are in a scene. And I don't think that's the only way to measure what a good editor does. Because this movie is just nonstop cuts. Mm-hmm. But it I don't, really is, though. It really is. And, but I don't think that is a comment on the quality of the movie because it never stops. You know what I mean? The, he's not trying to hide anything. He's trying to heighten the feeling and the energy of what's happening in this world. I feel like so much so that it becomes, or not becomes, but it's just like his style. Like, you know, Baz Luhrmann is on a movie. That's exactly what you're going to get. Yeah, Yeah, I want to be clear. I think he's an an incredible director. I don't think this is poorly directed. I I think he has directed better ones. And I think this could have been, I think the pacing... What I was saying is I think the pacing could have been pretty off and the editor destroyed and kind of created the pace and the frenetic energy that we're talking about. I think the editor is responsible for that. Jill Bilcock, by the way, is the film editor for the movie. And where I think she does a fantastic job, I don't think it's the editing that carries the movie. I think it's the music interweaving with the story. Um, Right from... The jump, the first thing we see is a conductor standing in front of a theater playing us the orchestral opening of the movie we're about to see. We were set up from beginning to end with The Hills Are Alive to Nat King Cole's Nature Boy to a crazy can-can number. Like, you're thrown into this world through music. And it's something I read, Moulin Rouge is based off of a few operas. Boz took pieces from a few and like put it all together and he wanted basically for audiences to be able to understand the story without knowing where it came from really and he used that through the modern day music so that audiences were familiar with what was happening on screen. I maybe came in too hot with saying it is carried I think I agree with you that the music carries it obviously but I think to me, the editing is, I'll call the editing the unsung hero of this. I think the editing does a little more heavy lifting than maybe it's first seems like. See, I got to put it all at, at Boz's feet with the assistance of the music. I don't think the music carries the movie. Sorry, Lacey. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> because I think if you, to go from Nature Boy to... Rhythm of the Night, Sparkling Diamonds, to Lady Marmalade. I think that could be a mess if it wasn't completely like in his control. And Jill, I agree with you. She's amazing. She did all of the movies in his um, Red Curtain trilogy. But I think there's nothing subtle about this movie except some of the things that Boz does. Like there's no subtlety in Moulin Rouge whatsoever and if you are looking for subtlety do not watch (laughs) a gun getting launched a hundred miles an hour into the eiffel tower isn't subtle yeah and (laughs) there's something really sly that i think he does in the beginning he does this with all his movies gatsby romeo and juliet moulin rouge where there's you know quick cuts hyper editing hyper energy and then the lovers meet and everything slows down Mm -hmm. 
But I think in Moulin Rouge, the first 15 minutes, there's like these slanted angles and he's kind of shooting all of the, the bohemian artist in a certain way. It's all kind of like tilted to the right. And mm. then Satine comes down and the camera almost like evens itself out mm-hmm. for the rest of the movie. The moment that they meet, everything is on an even plane. Oh, for Sean, you're like, I had never even like was consciously aware of that, but I'm like replaying it now and I totally see that. And then they're together and everything feels grounded and not grounded. Please, with Milan Rouge, no. <laughs> I was, I was so ready to pounce, dude. I was, <laughs> but everything, everything is secure. Everything's on an even plane. They're together. They're on the same wavelength. And then when things get a little uh, turbulent and she has to break his heart and she has to go up to the tower and see the Duke, the angles come back for a moment. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment where she looks down from the balcony, the Duke's behind her and she sees Christian and the camera like almost goes back to that tilted angle and then they lock eyes and it evens back up again. And I think there's things that, like that that he's kind of doing very subtly that you won't notice because there's so much noise around everything else there's music and there's editing and there's lights and nicole is pale and then she's blue and there's diamonds and all that stuff that i think it's all just like he has such a strong grip on it that if you were to watch it one time you'd be like this is just a lot of fucking noise and I can't do it. <laughs> but <laughs> I think Moulin Rouge, out of all of his movies, rewards repeat viewing. Mm. Mm. Well, I guess we'll just turn off our mics. Yes! <laughs> oh! I fucking love Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I really And really I do. think that's like do. why I can't say that I don't like it because I can recognize and understand what is so good about it, why it got nominated, everything works, but it's still for me just not a total win. Like I would put Romeo and Juliet first before I would watch Moulin Rouge. I just, I would. Maybe it's Leo. I don't know. It put, is Leo. Put, put, I know you. Put it's Leo, Leo. In this movie. I even said, and Rashana's like, can he sing? I was like, I don't know, but maybe that's what it is. <laughs> that's something really interesting I read when I was doing my little bit of research for the episode. It was between Ewan McGregor and Heath Ledger for mm-hmm. Christian. Yeah, obviously, Ewan McGregor got it, and Heath Ledger was so pissed that he didn't wind up working with Boz. Like, he wanted ruined. him for. Australia, right? Yeah. yeah. And he was like, no, I'm good. But he's like way to too young to be with Nikki. And that was yeah, the yeah. point. Like he, at that point where he's around what, like Knight's Tale time? Like yeah. he's mm-hmm. baby face Heath Ledger mm-hmm. at that time. And yeah. Josh said this while we were watching it. Ewan is like so age ambiguous in this yeah. movie. Like he could have been a young 20 something. He could have been like mid 30s. Like... It just depended on who his counterpart was. Right. And oh my god, Nikki Kids is so beautiful in this, you guys. One of the best entrances in any movie. Mm-hmm. Just... What did I say, Josh, when she came down? You made like a primal noise. <laughs> I was going to say, did she moan? <laughs> I did not. I said, iconic. Like, that. You, went, you did after you went, ugh. <laughs> I mean, that's a movie star entrance. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Name the more iconic duo. Is it Tarantino and Pitt, DiCaprio and Scorsese, or Leguizamo and Lerman? <laughs> well, first of all, it's Tarantino and Samuel Jackson. B. Yes. <laughs> I panicked. I needed, th- I needed a rule of three for comedy, and I only had Scorsese when I started talking, so I panicked. <laughs> Oh, he's so good in this. He's so good in he's this. He's always he's really good. good. You can Look, all- I, uh, see, I disagree that the always part, I think, this is what I told Lacey, I think, I don't think he's always good. I think he can be not good, but I think Lerman's directing turns John Leguizamo into uh, an all-star. But he doesn't always work with Boz Lerman. <laughs> I, was <just> <laughs> I was like, they just did these two, right? Yeah. Romeo and... And he's okay. otherworldly good in both. He's so talented in both. 
But there's something I really wanted to talk about. Mela, for example, your name in recording session right now is misconsumption. <laughs> yes, <laughs> correct. Or, and I know you watch a lot of period pieces, so you probably hear consumption frequently or have heard it in the past. Yes. Do you know what the consumption is? Tuberculosis. It's fucking tuberculosis. That entire cast would be deceased. <laughs> Do you understand? Right. It can't be passed through kissing, obviously, but it's passed through uh, coughing, mm. sneezing, yelling to her, which if they're these bohemian artists and she's hacking up a lung in the fucking dressing room, Everyone's 100% of the Moulin Rouge would be dead from, say it with me, Mela, the consumption. Consumption. Okay, but <laughs> she's after, covering she her dies, mouth. after she dies, it's like the whole thing goes under. Everything yeah. goes under. That's, so they so all died. Just I like, bet. I on. bet they fucking do. Probably. They were being real cavalier with how close and active they were in holding, kissing, hugging someone who was actively dying. Nobody knew, though. Only only Harold and Marie knew. And the doctor. No one else knew. And Le Chocolat. I think most of them were Rouge knew. I feel like they knew, but really? it was like, what yeah, are we going to do? We're poor. They knew she was sick. I knew that. Because it was a big deal that she was dying. So I, they definitely knew that she was sick. Yeah, let's talk about Le Chocolat. Listen. I turned to Josh at the beginning of the movie and I was like, he saves her multiple times during this movie. Why didn't we get more of a storyline? It, it, you know like, why. I know why and I don't <laughs> like it. He did so well. I knew everything about his character from the maybe cumulative two minutes he had of screen time. And it reeked of had a B plot that had to get cut for time. Totally. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I think him, uh, Marie, Nini. I think they. <laughs> I think they all just are really good in their limited screen time. I don't think anything was like taken away from them. He just stands out because he black. He, he black. <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, maybe not a whole B plot, but maybe just five lines, a couple. Does he speak at all? He says Things. one line. I feel like, though, that's carried throughout the whole movie. Like, there's no side character that isn't fully fleshed out in this. I think I remember reading all of the Diamond Dogs were given, like, specific names and characters and mm-hmm. personality traits to carry through their performances. I mean, the thing I think that works so well about this movie is the chemistry before between Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor, but it's also that it's a completely flushed out ensemble piece. Like, in my personal opinion, there's not a weak link. Everyone comes and brings a hundred in their performances in this movie. Jim Broadbent. Oh my God. Two words, Jim Broadbent. That's it. Someone else could have just made that role... A failure on every level and he just commits when you commit you can't be in a Baz Luhrmann movie and not commit mm-hmm. and he's just 110 percent I know Nicole is Satine is such a tragic character and Christian and their love story but I feel like the emotional weight of of what the Moulin Rouge is is all in Zidler and I think he sells it. He sells the fuck out of it. I, I mean, you love him. You're laughing with him. You're laughing at him. You fucking hate him. You feel sorry for him. And then he redeems himself. He is so complex. He's at 100 the whole time. The whole time. time. The whole time. And that's so hard to do believably and well. But then he has these silent moments where it's just... His eyes, mm-hmm. you know, if you just watch his eyes, he you can get a full story from him. That whole, the quiet moment of him singing before the show must go on really takes off when it's mm-hmm. just him and the costumers as his background. Whew, it's chilling. Yeah. There's a continuity moment I had a problem with. <laughs> Come on, Josh. I got Rashawn on my team. We're doing good today. Let's go. <laughs> Great. How did they find the cure to narcolepsy? But I don't think they did. They didn't. I think they just drink absinthe and they're like, fuck it. Well, uh, why is suddenly the unconscious Argentinian 
the star of the show. Why is that no longer a problem? Because he's a good actor and a good singer. He is, but we don't ever see him be afflicted by his narcolepsy ever again. There's Me no too. concern. He woke he woke up. He falls at, out in the middle of the show. That's how Christian gets his coat. Then okay. <laughs> i'll give you that part I didn't but again think he was asleep i didn't even put that together but he like again, literally passes out and falls down so, the stairs so what would have happened then if christian hadn't showed up he would have fallen out in the middle of the show <laughs> and ziegler would have just had to pick up the pieces yet again improv yeah. king ziegler would have just had to riff well but... no no because if christian hadn't showed up it would have been the duke's ending the ending where the courtesan goes with the Maharaja. And no, the Duke said. The Duke said, "Let him keep his fairy tale ending." Because they, he thought he was going to sleep with her. They didn't sleep together, so he wanted his ending. That's what I mean. They didn't. They didn't prep a Duke's ending. That's what I mean. So how how could they have done a Duke's ending? Homeboy would have just passed out and left him hanging. No, they were they were doing the they were doing the Duke's ending. Well, they weren't. Yeah, because the no, they weren't. Yes, the Duke they told him. Yes, they were. He was they, gone. He like he wasn't coming back, which is why when Christian shows up in the jacket, uh, Zidler's like, "Oh, I see. That's uh, you shaved your face, but you're back." No, he said that because fucking Ewan McGregor walks on stage. Exactly because he's supposed to be gone from the story. The doors are oh, supposed to open, oh. and it's just supposed to be Satine. There. Her in her wedding dress. When That's ready it. To get married. That is the Duke's ending. <laughs> Why are they doing that? Because when when Satine is up there with the Duke, he's like, "Let him have his fairy tale ending." But then he gets knocked out, and he changes his mind. He's like, Tell "We don't her. see that. We don't see yes, that." Yes, we do. Dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> we don't see him changing his mind. You absolute yes, he does. hyenas. Yes, you do. But wedding. And getting dabbed at by his little manservant. And he's like, tell Satine that if I ever see that boy again, I'm going to kill him. And we're doing my ending. She literally puts on all black and a veil and tells him that they're doing the I know that part. Do you think I fell asleep? Who do you think I am? The Argentinian? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you didn't watch the movie. (laughs) I guess I missed the little itty bitty line of, and we're doing my ending. I guess I missed that. (laughs) She bursts into his apartment and says... The Duke offered me everything, yeah. so I'm done with you. We're doing his ending. She does not say that. Yes, she, she does d- not say we're doing his ending. She said, he offered me everything, and I'm taking it. You're, you're the penniless whatever, and I'm, I'm going with the Maharaj. Mm-mm. Run the clip. Play the clip. Oh, my God. <laughs> Play the clip. This is a very strange hill for you to die on, my I'm love. saying I will accept the that hills. I missed the Duke saying it when he was getting band-aided. That's as far as I'm going. We get one concession. <laughs> because Zidler tells her, he's like, you, when he tells her that she's dying, he's like, we have to do this. Tell Christian, send him away. Tell him you don't love him. Break, she's like, break his heart. Yeah. Break, break his, his heart. heart. Let me, can we, that is my least favorite movie trope fucking ever. What? Especially what? In, the, in, in the year eight. 1899 when they don't when they can't like tap your fucking phone all she has to do is go into his room and be like if you show up they will kill you and he'll be like bet i'll see you here tonight like why knowing this man is jealous and fanatic as he is christian as as lovesick as he is why are you just gonna break up with him tell him the fucking truth because she also doesn't want him to watch her die she's sending him away completely mm-hmm tragedy it's not just that yes the duke will kill him but she also is just confirmed that she's going to die then why not tell the truth there all i'm saying is the argentinian himself i'm not done the argentinian himself (laughs) said uh uh you cannot trust a sex worker whatever he said and love is based on trust they didn't love each other then if she doesn't trust him enough to tell him the fucking truth about his impending death and her impending death they just be fucking them. No, 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 oh, no. Oh, Joshua. No. That doesn't go with the movie and the story that is being told. Christian is so in love with her. He's the one that's like, let's run away together. He's not rational. He's not rational in his thinking. Like Exactly. Then what do you think is going to happen when you just break up with him out of nowhere? Well, 
if she tries to like tell him the truth, he's gonna go on some crazy scheme of like, well, I can kill the Duke. He's a penniless writer. He doesn't have shit. He can't do anything. Well, son of a bitch, look what happened when she lied to him. He went on a weird spree anyway. I'm saying- And it was romantic and it worked. Well, I'm not gonna say that. No, it's really awful what he does to her. It's really, really awful what he does. He was very mean. People forgive that right away. He that is the cruelest thing that happens in this movie, what he did it's, before forgiving it's her. It's really awful, yeah. Throwing the money? Yeah. Yes. On her big opening night, her lifelong dream is this opening night, and he does that. It's also his lifelong dream. Yeah. It's really hard to watch, but that line of I've paid my whore, that's the line that I'm like, Ugh! like knife to the gut. Like that is Maybe Christian's not that great a guy. Oof. He's a good guy. He's, he's heartbroken, and he—that's how good of an actress she is. He fully believes that that was all an, that what they had was all an act. So, <laughs> are you excusing what he did? I just said I don't excuse that, and it's a gut punching moment every time. It's you just gross. said he's a good guy, and I think I think that maybe mm, I disagree, Mella. Yes. Dragon. Disagree with what? I'm agreeing with you. It was a bad. I'm disagreeing that he might be a total. He's a very good guy. I don't think so. Someone that has the capacity to do what he did in his gut is not a very good guy. Why? I didn't say he was though. Why? Mm -hmm. Would you ever do something like that? Ever, no matter the situation. Break my heart. <laughs> See what happens. Break my fuck heart. Around, <laughs> to fuck around is human. To find out is divine. Fuck around and and find look, out. We're set in that world. That, like everything is heightened. Everything is that right. level of extreme for all of these characters, especially in this moment. So no, it's not excusable. But do I believe that it happened? Yes. And I've been set up for two hours now to and accept. Seven minutes. And so okay, Mella. Okay, Mella. <laughs> this movie, I get this, it. It was long. She's this not movie an did uncle. Break she was our an aunt. Of- <laughs> <laughs> but you're able to move past it and quote unquote forgive it five minutes later because you're in a musical, dude. Like we're watching a musical and a fantasy, and like you said, this manic fairy dream world. Just go along with the ride. It's you keep a saying thing. you. Are you talking to me? Because I didn't forgive it. What? You said you're able to forgive it. And if you're talking to me, you're lying. Because I the can't general forgive you. you. The general oh, the royal you. you? Got it. God. Mine. Um, I also, like, before we move forward, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Richard Roxburgh either. He plays the Duke. And again, that's another role that would be so easy to do wrong or do badly and he is perfectly detestable through the whole thing that that's something that i feel like is missing in a lot of cinema lately is we don't have just a true bad guy or a true villain like there's like well they're bad because of this or here's the backstory for all of your favorite villains that you didn't ask for, but we're going to give it to you so you sympathize with them a little bit. But he's just a bad guy. (laughs) He's a bad person. And you need that kind of bad energy to root against when everything else is so fluffy and loud and colorful and magical. Was Homeboy just going to fire off a revolver backstage and like... (laughs) That is the, the one thing with the, that last sequence is like, dude, you're really going to have him shoot this guy on stage? But like, yes, yeah. that's that's I mean, how yeah. upset he is. That's how Jealousy he is. drives a man mad. Yeah, But it's know? also like, he's the Duke. He has people do this type of shit for him. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, just kill that guy. I'm through with him. So it's like, yeah, he was going to just shoot him in the middle of this In musical. front of hundreds of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's also the big part of the tragedy of the movie. It's it's Satine dying, obviously, but this brings it back to what you were talking about, Rashawn, with Ziedler and the Moulin Rouge. Like, this was going to be the thing that put them on the map and changed all of their lives. And because of Satine passing and because of losing the Duke's investment, 
the show crumbles and the Moulin Rouge yeah. falls. And I think that's another huge... You're seeing that plus the Bohemians' dreams are dashed. Christian's heart's broken. His dreams are dashed. It's an all-around tragedy. Having said that, though, I don't now, after my 80th rewatch, I don't <laughs> ever feel sad after watching Moulin Rouge. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but and maybe because I've I read this a long time ago, but uh, Baz Luhrmann lost his father on the mm-hmm. first day of filming. And there's kind of a connection between him using that loss and deciding to press forward and make something like Moulin Rouge and Christian. The movie ends with him writing a story and, and creating art after he lost the love of his life. So it's, I don't want to say triumphant or hopeful, but there's like a slight uplift at the very end when he mm-hmm. finally finishes and he types the end where I feel like he took the narrative back and he repurposed it and he made something that he will probably be proud of. So I agree with you. And that's why I say, like, I think that's where the feeling from the movie comes from. Like, like I said to you at the beginning, Mela, I don't think this is a feel good movie, but I think it's meant to make you feel things. I think it's, and I think it executes that really well. Cause I'm not sad at the end of it either. I think I'm touched that it was shared with me. It feels like an intimate story because of the way that it's told through Christian's lens. And I'm, I'm touched that it was shared. Is, is the movie so outlandish and so wild because it's actually a story being told by Christian? Probably. Partly. I feel like it's his recollection of, of the Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His absinthe drenched memories. Yeah, like he of... was probably drunk. Because every time you see, every time you see Toulouse, he has a glass of absinthe. You know, mm-hmm. so I think everyone was just in a state of hazy. Blitz. disassociation Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good point though josh Uh, a better point Uh oh this movie has the best pop song attached to a movie of all time absolutely 100 percent. let's (laughs) play it now both of you say it at the same time because i want to hear that they're different (laughs) what the song the song yeah the song Mulan, what do you, what? Lady Marmalade? Oh, I thought you both were going to just pick different songs from the movie. Uh, oh. I thought you were going to have a <laughs> What? Like, no! <laughs> that thing, that song goes, man. All gas, Did you, breaks. speaking of that song, there's a scene in The Elephant mm-hmm. that you can actually see Christina Aguilera getting ready in the back. I'm just what? fucking wrong. In the movie? <laughs> what? Why do y'all go with her? I have faith in my friends. <laughs> no, She's lying. Strange. It's actually Lil' Kim getting ready. <laughs> Absolutely. Just big old pasties on them oh, titties. If we're talking about the elephant, this is really cool. I'm sure you know this, Rashawn. But I just assumed it was like a set piece. It was its own set for the elephant love medley. It was actually a 60 foot tall elephant. And Nicole and Ewan had to be harnessed in while they were doing that, shooting that whole scene because there was risk of them falling throughout the whole thing. I thought that was so cool. She powered through, man. She broke her ribs during this. In a wheelchair. Insane. (laughs) No, she was in a wheelchair. Oh, from the, yeah, they shot her from like the chest up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that her iconic line of a real actress. <laughs> she was in a wheelchair yeah. when they shot that. Good this, lord. I mean, this it was a one two punch of this and the others that like shot mm-hmm. her into the stratosphere. And then oh. the next year she won for the hours and she's been the And whole then she thing. did Bewitched, which everyone <laughs> loved. <laughs> <laughs> With Josh's favorite. Will will. Oh, thank you. I didn't know. So <laughs> I was like Shirley MacLaine. Ooh. Yes, beach. <laughs> and then Moulin Rouge kind of ushered in the reacceptance of of 
movie musicals. Mm-hmm. Chicago, Chicago Absolutely. wins the Oscar next year, and then I think I read this correctly. Moulin Rouge was the first movie musical to be nominated for the Best Picture Oscar since Beauty and the Beast. It was ten years without a movie musical. All right, y'all. Let's do it. You want to play a game? Yeah, yeah. always. All right, everyone, gird your loins. Riddle me this. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. guessing games. Come on, board. Board, play with me. Riddle me that. All right, we're sticking with the love theme this evening. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read a famous movie quote from a romantic movie. Yes. One point. For giving me the movie. One point if you can give me the actor who says the line. Hmm. And one point if you can give me the character. Love it. When I finish <laughs> the quote, you can buzz in for your answer. First quote. But mostly, I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. Rashan. Is it Julia Stiles? It's Julia Stiles. Ten Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. And is her name Cat? Her name is Cat. Three oh. points for Rashawn. <laughs> That's not fair because you said hate a bunch. So. <laughs> and you didn't get it. You didn't even raise your hand. So. Well, um... because my strategy's ruined. So what am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> Next quote. You will never age for me, nor fade, nor die. Oh my god, you guys, this is like... Have we all seen this movie? Um, At least Rashawn has. I'm just assuming Rashawn's running on... Oh. Rashawn? Um, no, I don't know why I raised my hand. Ah, I'm so is upset! It- is oh wait you will never age for me nor fade nor die josh that's big tom hanks (laughs) no (laughs) is the aging thing no i want to say oh mella it is a curious case of benjamin button no oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i hate games on this podcast okay wait 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 wait. let me try let me try let me try let me try did it come from robin williams no okay you all suck what is it i'm dying here Shakespeare in love. It's the last thing that William Shakespeare, Joseph Fiennes, says to Gwyneth Paltrow before she leaves. You will never Girl, I don't me. like that movie. Shakespeare but in love. But you've seen it? You've seen it. Shakespeare in love. Oh, it's beautiful. How do you not like... Oh, whatever, I'll bring it You're going to get off on a tangent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next up. Any man has a chance to sweep any woman off her feet. He just needs the right broom. Aww. Josh. That's Hitch. You're welcome. Will Smith playing Hitch. You're welcome. I did that Thank for you. you. Oh, I didn't know we were catering to... Um, I picked one for each of you, I thought. Maybe not. You picked Shakespeare in Love for me? No, bitch! For oh, okay. Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what? All right, next. I wish I knew how to quit you. Is this for me? Hold up. <laughs> Rashawn. <laughs> what is that? Um, I raised my hand first. Thanks, yeah. I guess. <laughs> is, it, is it Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Oh, no. Is he? Is it Heath Ledger? No, it's Jake. What's your final answer? Say the movie first so you get the point. It's Brokeback Mountain. Thank you. Is it? Is it? It's Enos. Yeah. And it's Heath Ledger, yeah. Final answer? Yes. Uh, anyone else want to take a guess? Oh, are you kidding me? It's Jack Twist. It sure is, Mella, played by who? By by uh, Heath Ledger, sorry. Heath is Jack Twist. Heath Jack is Twist. Enos. I can't believe they made someone whose name sounds like penis in that movie. <laughs> the characters are Enos and Paul Sack. Jack Twist. <laughs> 
is Jack played by Maskey. Jake Gyllenhaal. He smells his shirt. <laughs> Heath says, Jack, I swear. That's Heath's line at the end. I apologize. Remember when they eat beans in the tent? God, I can't have one game. I just oh, can't. Oh, do I, not do this. I hate games. I hate wait. it. What's the next one? So wait, so who gets points? Rashawn gets a point. Rashawn gets a point. Mella gets, Mella gets I don't, one. Mella gets two points. She gets two. Jack and Twist. <laughs> do All I right. get a point for the penis joke? No. No. Okay. Last one. Last one. And I hope you all know this. After all, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Rashawn. It's Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to you. <laughs> Mel, do you have a guess? Her name is Carmen Nodding. No! Uh! <laughs> uh! <laughs> and she meets... She meets Hugh Hugh Laurie on the hill. That's why it's called Notting Hill. Oh my god. I love that. I have no idea what her name is. I'm going to go with Norma. Bitch! (laughs) Her name is Anna Scott. Oh. Anna Scott. Well, Rashawn wins by a long shot. Of course he does. Thanks for putting Hitch in there. Thanks for Brookback Mountain. What was mine? (laughs) Yours was 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, okay. I see that. I was ready for Jerry Maguire. That's the only other one I knew. So let's make a deal. From here on out, I don't do games. Why? (laughs) This game was great. It's a good game. Wrapping things up. I always sound so pleased when I do these because I'm so stressed out. (laughs) Well. Fucking game. We can all agree that Moulin Rouge is a must-see piece of cinema wonderfully cast wonderfully performed it may not be your style your kind of movie but you'll appreciate it for what it is and Rashawn and I can finally be friends again on the podcast (laughs) Jeff if you're listening don't bother I was wondering when it was gonna happen but we came together here we are come together right now Oh, so we are doing a musical episode. <laughs> Don't sing no more because we ain't got that much money, girl. <laughs> That's why I stopped right there. <laughs> royalties, royalties. Um, uh, royalty by Kendrick Lamar featuring Rihanna. Royalties, royalties, royalties. Cutting up. Cut. At the end of each episode, we like to play a little game of six degrees of separation, connecting one actor from this week's movie to an actor from next week's movie. So, my friends, who can find the quickest connection between Ewan McGregor and Daniel Kluwa? This feels like it should be easy. Right. Tell me why I went. Ewan McGregor was in Big Fish with Danny DeVito. That's not going to help me. Got it. That's not going to help me. Wait a minute. Got it. What is it, Josh? Ewan McGregor was in Star Wars Attack of the Clones with Samuel L. Jackson, who was in Avengers or uh, Endgame or uh, Infinity War. Take your pick with... Chadwick Boseman, who was in Black Panther with Daniel Kaluuya. Nice. Mm. nice. Very nice. Well done, Yashua. Somebody had to helpful. take Rashawn out. Jeez. Hey. Uh, take me out. Oh. Yes, you You're win on like every a four win streak. Yeah, yeah. I need Minute. a win. <laughs> you just won the game! <laughs> you win everything. Well, you won Lacey's it. friendship back this episode, so well. there you go. I'm going to hold on to it. I don't know how long it's going to last. That's it for this week's episode of When Cinephiles Attack. 
As always, we'd love if you took a moment and liked, subscribed, and rated us on Apple Podcasts. Um, It really helps us. It helps people find our podcast. So please take some time to do that if you've been sticking around and listening. You can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CinephileAttack. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode or if you just want to show us some love, email us at whencinephilesattack at gmail.com. From Lacey, Mella, Josh, and Rashawn. We love you. Happy Valentine's Day. What'd you get me? Nothing. Shame. Her presence is a present. Kiss my ass. Oh, I made a... Like, what's he doing?